Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Well, my name is Sean Wadiemi. Most people know me as Sean, but I prefer Sean, if you can pronounce that. <laughs> Sometimes we're listening not to hear what the person is saying, but to respond and to come come back with counter arguments. Well, that's extravagant, blah, 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 blah. You know, you, you want to stop yourself from that. You don't want to label them. You want to understand them. Understanding your spouse and what's, what's their heart, what makes them happy, what makes them hurt, what makes them glad, what are their, what makes their eyes light up. You'll start to discover that your experiences were probably very different. Yeah, I remember that's that's one of the reasons why I think I wanted you um, also as um, as a guest on this series we're doing. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. And here's your host, Sean Adeyemi, President and Senior Financial Planner at SA Capital Advisors. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for tuning into the Dollar Savvy Podcast. It's your host, Sean Adeyemi. I am so excited. We've been gone for so long, but we have a great series coming up. Um, sorry I had to be away for so long. Um, my wife and I just had a third child, a baby girl, and um, it's, been a bit, it's been a very busy season at work, but I am so excited to be back. Uh, this season, we're going to be talking about a lot of important issues that um, you will definitely want to tune in if you don't want to miss out. Uh, the first series we're tackling is on money and marriage. Uh, this is a series that is so dear to my heart. Having been a financial planner for the last 10 years or so, I have seen a lot of successes. I have seen a lot of failures. And most of the successes I find have to do with those couples who are working hand in hand together. And most of the failures I see are when couples don't understand that they are one when it comes to um, their money. And so we're going to tackle a lot of issues to, uh, on, on this on this topic and everything from understanding your spouse, dealing with past hurts, um, communicating, learning to listen. And so you definitely want to tune in for the episodes coming up. Our very first guests for this season is my good friend, Carrie Green. Carrie Green is a podcaster, a former pastor. Um, he runs a business and um, he's also been married for 30 years and he has a lot to say on this topic on this episode here Carrie and I talk a little bit about um, his his history his background and uh, where he's coming from and where he is now um, we also talk about money and how really how to understand your spouse we understand we talk about how your upbringing can affect your thoughts about money and why it's important to listen to your spouse even though they may have different views and also how to come together in spite of your differences uh one of the one of the main things that came out of this is the power of prayer and coming to a place of unity and why equality marriage is has nothing to do with your income or how much you bring to the table and why patience is really important in understanding the heart of your spouse i don't want to give away too much of this episode uh, but just tune in and we have a great talk. Uh, Carrie and I have a great talk. So um, I hope you enjoy it. Carrie, thank you for agreeing to do this. Uh, I definitely appreciate it. Uh, I can't remember. How did we meet? Oh, gosh, I don't remember. It was on an online forum or group or something. It's been quite a while ago. Yeah, it's been probably going on a year now. And I remember when I started my podcast, uh, one of the things I was looking for is guests and people who share the same beliefs and same values. I think it was on some podcast guests, some website, but uh, that's irrelevant now. Uh, but 
one of the things I loved is that the way we connected, um, I went back and I saw that you're a podcaster as well. You have your own show. You talk about a lot of things. So uh, before we get into the topic of today, I'm just going to give you the mic and let you talk a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, uh, your businesses, the different businesses you run. And um, and then we'll get we'll get to the meat of, of, of the podcast. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to do that, and I thank you for uh, your kindness in having me on your show. Uh, I'm just a regular guy, uh, <laughs> you know. I've grown up uh, with with parents and siblings and all that kind of stuff. I've had quite a quite a fun adventure as far as life goes. My my family was a pretty blue collar family uh, as I was growing up. My dad worked in an oil field products manufacturing company and built things like oil rigs and oil pumps and those kinds of things. Mm. And uh, I grew up not really knowing what I would do and graduated high school not knowing what I would do. And (laughs) I just went to college uh, because it was kind of the thing everybody was doing. And I studied music business at the time, which is probably where I got my first sense of, you know, audio and recording and those kinds of things, just Mm -hmm. being interested in music and those kinds of things. But I... I moved on from there and decided to uh, pursue a degree in youth ministry and moved to Colorado Christian University for that. That's where I met my wife and uh, graduated from there with a degree in youth ministry and spent 20 years as a How pastor. How many years did you say? Different, 20. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 20 years as a pastor of, in different roles. I was a youth pastor for a while and then an associate pastor and then finally a teaching pastor and spent... Uh, all those time in smaller churches around the United mm. States, a, a variety of different places. And about five, six years ago, just felt the urge to step out of that, felt that the calling was gone and mm. that the Lord was calling us into something different. And I wasn't sure what that was, but I knew that serving in the church is a role that requires your heart to be fully in it. Right. And mine wasn't, it wasn't anymore. And so I felt like it was only fair to the people for me to develop a plan to transition out. So we took about six months to transition out of the church that we were serving at that time. And and they knew all along that that was happening. And uh, we stepped out not really knowing what I was going to do. And in that time, I had begun a podcast of my own. At that time, uh, it was called the Christian Home and Family Podcast. And it's still out there, has over 100 episodes, but I'm not publishing it anymore at this time. Just, Just don't have time in my schedule. Right. Though the the topics are still very very close to my heart, and since I'd already been doing a podcast, I I knew enough about it that I decided you know I would I would help some people do some audio editing on the side, and I just saw it as an extra little channel also of revenue. Income. Yeah, and it was it was fairly small until one of the guys I was working with was also a, a brother in Christ, and he suggested to me that I make a business out of it. And Mm. being a podcaster myself, I knew what a pain point there was there of the time that it takes to do the work and sometimes the expertise that podcasters don't have. So I started a business called Podcast Fast Track and I started doing audio editing for people uh, and started marketing to people who I thought might have that need. And two clients grew into six and six grew into 12 and finally brought my older son on to help me. And long story short, we're now 45 to 40, 48 clients we have on the monthly roster and wow, have a team amazing. of about, about 12 people. Yeah. So it's it's been a great uh, journey and we love we love having our own business and running it remotely. Uh, I I currently don't have a home. I I own an RV and we travel in our RV, and so we are, are calling from Tucson today, Tucson, Arizona. Oh wow, that's that must be fun. But at the same time, a little. How old are your kids? My oldest is twenty seven, and my youngest is fifteen. And for that, what's what's that like for them? Do do you homeschool your kids? Yeah, the the one who is 15 is the only one who still lives with us. And she uh, she is homeschooled, has been homeschooled for quite a few years now, mm. and uh, just really loves it. She enjoys getting out and seeing the country and trying to meet new friends at church youth groups and things like that. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, at my church, we actually have quite a big homeschooling, um, a homeschooling population. 
And it's something that is growing, especially for, um, I find it more in the Christian community because unfortunately the, the, the schools are not really teaching some of the things that we believe anymore. And there's a lot of, right. uh, there's a lot of false knowledge out there, which is unbiblical really. And so I think homeschooling oh, yeah. uh, allows you to pass on your faith to your, to your, to your children. And Carrie, how long have you been married? I've been married this coming May will be 30 years. We're actually hitting our 30 year anniversary. Yeah, I remember that's that's one of the reasons why I think I wanted you um, also as um, as a guest on this series we're doing. And um, just for our audience, basically the series is on money and marriage. Um, I've been a financial planner for uh, going on 11 years right now. I've worked with businesses. I've worked with individuals. I've worked with families. Uh, I've worked with people who are married but only working maybe with the husband or working only with the wife and uh, each the other party is doing something else. And mm-hmm. one of the things I realized, uh, one of the pain points over the last several years is I realized there's such, when it comes to money, it's sometimes very, it can be a very sticky subject amongst couples. Yeah. Um, when I look into the Bible and I look at what God's words commands us as, 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 as married men or as, um, or as a woman, I realize that when it comes to planning for your future or handling your money, um, I find that couples are often at very different points of views for many reasons. And so the idea behind this series really is money and marriage to help couples understand the power of one. Um, the power yeah. of working together, the power of uh, being on the same page. It doesn't mean there will be, um, each party will always be in agreement with everything. I don't think that that's ever going to be the case, but at least being able to move forward um, together as a couple when it comes to money. And so one of the one of the topics uh, when we spoke, I said I wanted you to talk about is, just you've been married for thirty years. Uh, you you have a lot of experience with that. Uh, you've also been a pastor. And based on your show, um, the Christian show, you they say you no longer publish. I remember you mentioned that you've you've spoken a lot about money and marriage and those things. So I thought this would be a great opportunity for you to just talk about um, things like how do you understand how do couples begin to work together. Um, understanding your spouse, um, what does money, um, what does money mean to each each spouse? So I'll let you talk a little about it, and then we we'll just we we'll just have a conversation about this. Yeah, well, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is recognizing that each one of us as human beings has our own experience and background relating to money, just like we do relating to everything else. Uh, We may have grown up in a family where money was tight, or we may have grown up in a family where there was money aplenty. And that background is going to inform both how we think and how we feel about financial matters. And that's important just to acknowledge, I think, at the outset, that your spouse likely doesn't share the same experiences around financial matters that you do. Even if you knew that person your whole growing up life and you grew up in the same demographic and you grew up in the same culture and you grew up in the same hometown, you still, I can almost guarantee you, have different views Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. money. And it's because of the family you grew up in, uh, because your parents passed down beliefs to you either overtly or just by example. And your spouse's parents did the same thing. And guess what? Their parents did to them as well. And experience plays into it and all of that. You know, my parents, for example, were children during the Great Depression. And so they grew up with this sense of having to scrimp and save and be very careful with your money. And so that was what was demonstrated to me as we were growing up. One of the phrases I remember hearing most often <laughs> when we go to the grocery store, you know, I would see a candy bar or I'd see something I'd want as a seven-year-old or whatever. And I would ask my mom and she would say, we can't afford it. And mm-hmm. that was just a common forward phrase, phrase that yeah. I heard all the time. And so I enter marriage with this mindset kind of covertly under the surface that I don't even realize is there. 
that you have to be very tight with money. You have to be very careful with money. You can't spend extra. And so we get married and the first time my wife goes out buying groceries, uh, I'm questioning why she bought Oreos because I'm thinking (laughs) you got to be really careful with your money, you know? And so I learned real quickly uh, that there's a difference in the way that we view money and the use of money. And so I think that's a good starting point uh, is, is to acknowledge that, that you're going to have differences and, and you need to understand those differences, I think. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be at the time you're trying to work out a budget together. Right. You can just sit down and have a conversation together about tell me what it was like in your family mm-hmm. from a monetary standpoint. Describe to me what Christmas was like, what birthdays were like. Uh, how many gifts were there? Was it, uh, did you go on vacations? I mean, all these questions that need money, the, you know, these events in life that need money in order to happen. Right. Ask questions about those things so you can get a picture of what it was your spouse experienced. And then they can do the same with you. And you'll start to discover uh, your experiences were probably very different. And therefore, the way that you look at money is is going to be very different as well. So I'll I'll stop there and let you interject anything that's on your mind you look very thoughtful yeah as, as you're as you're speaking i'm just thinking even of my of my growing up uh we were somewhat comfortable um i i don't think we, we weren't poor by any means but we weren't wealthy either uh but um i saw my dad war i mean i i, I learned the value of hard work and in that hard work it also meant that you don't just when you work so hard for your money you just don't spend it um, at a hmm. young age, I saw my dad make a lot of investments, um, and that gave me the mindset to try to use your money uh, for good. Don't just spend all your money. And so for me, that yeah. was my background. Uh, my wife was not so much the same. Was she, she, She's slightly different in terms of her worldview on money. Not so far apart because she was, when, when we met, she was she had already owned probably like two homes already. And so wow. she was. She was also uh, very investment minded. And so as you're saying that, I, 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 I'm just thinking back to some of our early conversations. I've been married going on 2012, uh, going on seven years now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, but I remember our early conversations on money, and just like you rightfully said, what you grew up, um, what you grew up seeing whether intentionally or unintentionally becomes a part of, of of how you view money. And so I guess my question then is when when the couples are coming from opposite views, yes, I understand why you see money this way. I understand why you think that, um, for instance, for someone who's not a big of a saver, it may be because they grew up in a home that um, – their pops or their parents gave them anything they wanted um, or they feel, you know what, maybe their parents were sick. And so because of that, they feel like, you know what, I don't want to spend all my life saving my money and I I'm sick and I die. I'm not able to enjoy it. But coming, yeah. but, but someone else coming from the opposite standpoint that says, as you earn your money, yes, spend it, but be very wise with it. So I guess, yes, I understand what your mindset is on that. But when two people are, from opposing views, how do you begin to then find a middle ground to see, okay, this is what you believe, this is what I believe. How can we start having conversations to bring us closer to the middle? Yeah, I think that it's good, first of all, to pray about those things together if you're praying people. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. a foregone conclusion in my beliefs that I have an opinion about money, my wife has an opinion about money, and God has an opinion about money. Right. And our our opinions may line up with his, but they may not. And so sometimes we get in this in this polarized thinking, thinking, well, either one spouse is right or the other spouse is right, but the reality may be neither of us are right. Mm-hmm. And we both have somewhere where we can grow in our perspective. And so praying together enables you to come around the issue from a perspective of faith, saying we want God to guide us. We want God to show us what he thinks about money. And when you dig into the scripture to look at that, there are a number of different examples, I think, that lean toward either side of the pendulum. You see Proverbs that are, 
are very cautious in their advice and telling, you know, not to spend exorbitantly and not to be indebted to people. But then you also see on the other side, uh, when God commissioned the people to build a temple, they, they did extravagant things. I mean, with gold and silver and all these amazing things to, to do uh, this temple the right way. And right. to uh, make it make it this wonderful place of reverence and worship, and when when he would have them do feasts, I mean they had they had seven day feasts. I mean think about the resources involved in putting that on, and it was for enjoyment and celebration and happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. I mean all of these reasons behind it to celebrate what God had done. So we can look at the scripture and we can see that money can be used in God's economy in both of those ways. One, to save for the time of trouble that may come. Another, to use for enjoyment and celebration and all of those things. So understanding that helps me, first of all, when I'm approaching my wife to talk about these things, to understand that what I grew up believing is right and wrong relating to money may not actually be right and wrong. Right. There's probably something else that God has in mind. So so when we both can come to the conversation with that, that kind of humility, I think it's easier to come to a middle ground in discussing what we want to do with our money. And this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think it's important for couples to understand that once they marry, they are unified. The Bible says the two become one. Become one. And so, so when I think in terms of oneness, I don't think about his bank account and her bank account or her money she earns and his money he earns. I think about their money. Right. It, is, it is one common pot. And so if a couple is struggling because they're talking about what I earn and what he earns, I think you've got a fundamental problem in your approach right there because you're, you're thinking that because you earn this much and she earns this much, you're each entitled to that percentage of say in what happens with the money. That's not how marriage works. In marriage, we're one. And we come together as one to make common decisions for the benefit of not only our family, but the world around us. And money has to be handled in that way as well. And so it's it's important to understand that and to to move forward with that sort of a mindset that we are we are a team in this. And we may see opposite sides of the spectrum right now, but our goal is to come together, is to be united. And it may mean I have to be open to the fact that I need to learn something in this area of finances or I need to drop an expectation or, a, or an opinion I have that really isn't aligned with God's way of doing things. And I think in time and patience and understanding with each other, you can get together on these kinds of issues. And a lot of times I think couples get polarized on this because they're not patient enough. Yeah. They're not striving to be understanding with each other. Instead, they can get accusatory and they could say, well, you just like to splurge on everything. You just this. And they start labeling each other rather than trying to understand and, and come to some common goals. I think even adding to that, one of the one of the things I find is sometimes we're, we're listening, uh, we're listening not to hear what the person is saying but to respond and to come yeah. come back with counter arguments. And so oftentimes you miss the heart of the person that you're speaking with. You miss the heart of your spouse. And so um, we draw up these conclusions and we come up with these walls that uh, really should not be there because we've made all these assumptions that, well, the reason why she wants to do this is because she doesn't care or you put whatever thought you want to put in there but oftentimes is we're not listening because we want to hear their heart but we're listening because we've already had assumptions that we've made up in our minds and you bring up a good point because uh, it's one of the biggest issues I, i i come across so often is this whole idea is your money my money your job, my job, I bring this to the table, you bring this to the table, my income makes up uh, 25% or 40% of the total income for the house, and your income only makes 20%. And so you only get to um, um, have a an input on X amount of things because you don't bring that much to the table either. 
And so, for, for the, just like you said, that's that's such a breakdown as to when the Bible says you are one, you are one. It's not your money, money. It's not my money. It's our money, and um, yeah. that's a that's a good starting point to begin to break down those barriers that says this is what God has given us as a couple. Now let us figure out how to best steward that. Um, yeah, that's a very good. Very good way of seeing it. And I think another healthy perspective is once you've gotten there is to understand, okay, yes, we are one and this is our money, but really it's God's money. Yes. And we are stewards. So the two of us together get to steward this. And he's given us this money through the means of my job and your job, this percentage and that percentage, but it's all his money that he wants certain things to be done with. And we are tasked with coming to a decision about what that is that he wants us to do. And that, to me, leads to the issue of goals. You know, you have to be able Mm -hmm. to come to a place of talking about financial goals. I think a lot of times, again, because of the way we were raised, we assume that the other person has the same goals we have. Uh, they understand why I want to save. They understand why we should put these this amount in investment. They understand this. They understand, but they may not understand because they were not raised that way. Um, I know many people who were raised in a home where everything was hand to mouth and every penny was spent, every single paycheck, and they grew up with that kind of default mindset about money. And that's what they do. And they make the uh, the great decision to get married, and it turns out the person that they marry is a person who's from the opposite spectrum, who grew up in a home where they save every penny that doesn't go to, uh, you know, essentials. Mm-hmm. And man, you have you have a recipe for a conflict right there. And so they have to get together on their goals. What is it that we want to accomplish? Is it about saving? Is it about investing? Is it about uh, being generous with our money? I mean, where does all that fall? into the plan that God has for his money that he's entrusted to us. It's, 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 it's on the, the mindsets I, I think is the, is the, is the starting point. Just like you said, is this is God's money. Okay. Yeah. Um, and because it's God's money, God's going to hold us accountable. Um, Psalm 24 verse, uh, verse one says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so, just because you have a job that pays X amount or and I happen to stay at home doesn't mean it's your money. Um, it's still God's money at the end of the day. And so, yes, it's our yeah. money, but ultimately it's God's money. And once it's God's money, now what does God want us to do with that? How does God want us to spend that? And then that's where we, just like you said, I think our, your goals come into play. And um, let's talk about that for a minute in terms of, okay, so... When you have those goals, you have the mindset that this belongs to God. I mean, as a starting point, and then this is our money. And then, um, how do we then begin to talk about our goals and begin to align them together? Yeah, well, I think the best way to approach it is to learn how to ask lots of questions um, of each other. So, the husband asking the wife, what would you like to see us accomplish financially in, let's just take a bite-sized chunk, the next three years? And let her talk. Let her dream. Let her speak. Don't, uh, as, as one person I've heard say, don't be Bigfoot and stomp all over their dreams the minute that it comes out of their mouth. Let them talk. Let them get it out. Mm-hmm. Nothing that's said in this conversation needs to be threatening or needs to be something that, that evokes fear. We're just getting ideas out. And we're getting out desires. And then vice versa, the wife would ask the husband the same thing. What, what would you like to see us accomplish with our money in the next three years? And what you're going to find is there are places where those dreams overlap and are right. common. There are places where they don't overlap. And about those areas where the two different versions don't overlap, more questions need to be asked. Well, you said this. What, explain that to me. Why is that important to you? And, and do you see how that question is phrased? Why is that important to you? You're wanting to understand the heart behind it, mm-hmm. not, just, not just make a judgment on it and say, well, that's extravagant, blah, 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 blah. You know, 
you want to stop yourself from that. You don't want to label them. You want to understand them. And that's really what this is about, is understanding your spouse. And so ask questions. Why is that important to you? I really want to understand. And you may find yourself wading into some conversations where your spouse is sharing a, a deep hurt that comes from doing without as a child or comes from seeing somebody misuse money as they were growing up. You, you'll, you'll get into all these deep places where if God is gracious to do this, you're able to set aside the topic of money for a while and really just love each other and care right. about each other in these right. these hurts from the past. You see, and when, when you're able to connect on a heart level like that, not that it always has to happen, but when you are able to have that kind of a connection, this rich unity about what to do with your money becomes a fruit of it. Because now you know on a heart level, he's for me or she's for me. They cared for me well. So we we can be comfortable talking about these potentially volatile things like money. Um, and to me, getting all those dreams out enables us to get to a better place of understanding together. And then we start working on what's common. Okay, how can we accomplish those things? What's it going to take? You know, are we going to need to save this much every paycheck or are we going to need to invest this much every paycheck? Are we going to need to put this much toward debt every paycheck? I mean, you take those common areas and you get them rolling. I think that's the easiest place to start because it's something you both agree on already. And once you see that ball rolling, you're able to come back to the things that weren't in common and start working out compromises. And don't hear the word compromise as a bad thing. Compromising is a good thing. When it brings you to a place of unity, you're able to say, okay, well, I can understand why you want this thing. How about if we do this to start moving in that direction and uh, start doing this to move in the direction of this thing I wanted to do? Or you may come to a decision that one of those two things is more important. So you're going to do that first and then this one second. And you you have to have give and take. And that's what I mean by compromise is you're you're compromising your wishes to be able to serve the other. And again, it's all in the scope of it being God's money. So ultimately, you're trying to accomplish what God wants you to do with your money. So that's where I would start is having conversations about dreams and goals as individuals, working on the common areas, and then expanding from there. I like one thing that stood out in what you just said it was that uh, once you understand the heart of your spouse, uh, the unity that comes from... Um, the money part of it is just the fruit of it. And yeah. so understanding your spouse and what's what's their heart, what 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 makes them happy, what makes them hurt, what makes them glad, what are their what makes their eyes light up are things mm -hmm. that once you understand it and you also you also said one thing, once we understand, you know, where they're coming from and the stories they have of Maybe the reason why he feels or she feels so strongly about this is because of this. It's easier to become to be empathetic and to understand the pain and the hurt uh, as to why they believe what they believe. And I think at that point, we can then start to work with the spouse to find healing. Because even though um, this hurt uh, was caused by something that happened in my past, it doesn't mean I have to my future my present or my future has to remain guided by that hurt. And That's so right. how do we then begin to work through that hurt to ensure that uh, one, you find healing and then two, we can move forward in the life that we want to build together in the life that God has given us together in all that he has blessed us with. And so, yeah, um, yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think that, in my experience and in the experience I've had walking alongside couples in counseling, what I've noticed is one of God's favorite balms, one of his favorite sources of healing and medicine is my wife mm -hmm. in my life and vice versa. I'm one of his favorite things to use to bring healing in her life. And when you're starting to have those conversations and you recognize, I mean, I'll just paint a scenario here. Say the wife is very intent and and insistent that we save every single penny we don't spend on anything and you get into the conversation about why she's so insistent on that and you realize 
she grew up in in very deep poverty, and she grew up with a dad who was an alcoholic, and he spent every penny on booze. You know, you, you start seeing there's deep insecurities there. There's deep fears there, and it's not to cast blame on her at all. You understand why she has those feelings, and you start to, like you said, be empathetic to, oh, I get it. I get why she feels that way. I get why having a full bank account is important to her. I, I totally understand it now. And what you can start to do is be that balm, be that medicine for her intentionally by being proactive and saying, you know, I, I, I wanted to take you out to dinner this weekend because I love you so much and I want to spend time with you, but I want you to know that I recognize we can't do this all the time. Because we need to save and we need to make sure that, you know, the, the family is secure financially. Right. But you're worth it this time to me. You're, and see what you're doing by that little caveat is you're, you're ministering to her area of hurt. And you're, you're reminding her, I understand. And I'm trying to be mindful of that. And that goes a long way toward helping her get free of her fear. Because part of her fear is that she doesn't know you well enough yet, financially speaking, to know if she can trust you to do well with the finances, yeah. you know, she's, she, like all of us, she's in her own head and her, her own thoughts and her own fears are controlling her. And again, this could go for a, a man as well as a woman. I'm just making an example here, but do you see how you can be intentional in your conversations about ministering to those areas of hurt or insecurity or need that come up because of financial conversations? And it really is not about the finances at all. At all. It's about caring for your spouse. And those conversations, um, in some cases, are actually in many cases, would lead us away from the money for a while because once oh, we're yeah. able to identify those hurts, um, as believers, we're able to go into God's word and claim his promises and understand. I mean, using your example, for instance, was, you know, a, a, a father that maybe was abusive and spent all the money they had. And so there's deep insecurities. And so... The, the husband or the wife or whoever in this case, they're able to go back into God's word and maybe study God's word mm -hmm. together and say, okay, God mm -hmm. is a loving father. He would never leave you nor forsake you. He's promised he will always provide all your needs. Uh, Philippians uh, 4, it says, I will supply all your needs according to your riches and glory is Christ Jesus. He's beginning to go into God's word and find healing and find uh, and restoration. And it, it leads us away from the money because a lot of times when people have money fight, it's really not about the money it's about right. the, the 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 mindset and the misconceptions and the hurts and so um leaving the money topic off the um not on not off the table completely but once we identify these triggers and we identify these hurts i think um it's our job um as to, to begin to find ways to help our spouse heal whether that's as a wife or as a husband. Now, um, while we're on that particular topic, what are some of the ways that, um, for me as a spouse, for instance, can I help my, in a case where my, my wife's hurting, I know this hurts her, uh, or, and I'm going into the word, you know, trying to show her what God's word says about it. What are the things I can do as a spouse um, to help the spouse, the, the, in, my, in this case, let's just say my wife, find healing, would you recommend uh, maybe going for uh, marriage counseling, going for or bringing in a third party to help them work through some of those pains? What, what's, what are your thoughts on those? Now, don't you go anywhere. Here Carrie's response on the next episode on how you can help your spouse find the healing to move forward in your marriage. In the meantime... I'm excited to introduce a new segment called Couples Corner, where we interview real couples who share their stories, their struggles, and how they've been able to find financial unity with their spouse. My prayer is that you are encouraged and find real hope in these stories. Welcome, Darnell and Tyra, to the show. Uh, this is Couples Corner, where we get couples to share their money stories on working together. Uh, Darnell and Tyra, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Dollar Savvy Show. Uh, for our audience listening, can you tell us a little about yourself and how long you've been married? 
uh, Darnell and I met um, on a church trip when we were both not Christians. Um, I was 15, he was 21. Um, when we got to talking, we've been friends ever since. Yeah, so we were dating for two years and we are, we've been married for six years. Wow, that's, that's awesome. Now, how would you, do you have any kids? No, no, not yet, but Lord willing soon. Mm-hmm. And how would you describe each other in terms of handling and spending money? In terms of handling and spending money, I would definitely say that Darnell is more of the spender um, in the relationship. Um, I like to say that he's like a fly Malcolm X. Buy any <laughs> jeans necessary. Um, he he definitely he definitely um, he definitely likes to to he's not irresponsible, um, but he'll definitely um, buy first. Mm-hmm. And then I would say that Tyra is more of the warrior like worrying where the money's coming from and where it's going and if there would be enough um, for tomorrow. Okay, so just two, two people coming from different ends of the spectrum. It's often, it's, it's, it's funny we find that quite often that two, I mean, they say two opposites attract, but you're both different and you've both coming from different sides of the, of, of, of the money, money conversation. So how have you been able to make that work for you? And um, what would you say it's, uh, has been your biggest challenge in dealing with money? Um, the biggest challenge, um, I would say, in dealing with money is um, transparency. Um, I think for me, at the beginning of our marriage, it was, it was definitely a lot more difficult um, to be open and have those um, honest conversations. Um, with him uh, about budget and things that we were doing or things that we had planned. And I definitely had to learn to uh, to be more trusting and to trust the Lord uh, more importantly in terms of where our where our money was coming from and where our finances were going. Yeah, I would definitely second that. It was really challenging with her not being transparent with our funds. Uh, in that I found it offensive in that, Mm. you know, we can share our sin, we can share a bed, but we can't share our finances. And for the first time in our marriage, it made me really consider like why people get divorced, why people um, separate and get divorced because of these financial situations. The whole sentiment was to me that you, you know, we're one, we can't be separate. I can't have, my own agenda financially and you have your own agenda. You know, I feel like we were supposed to grow together. Mm-hmm. And I would also add that um, another one of the challenges that we had financially was uh, when Darnell got sick. Um, it definitely put a strain on, on the relationship. Um, okay. And it really made things difficult going from two incomes to one, but the Lord really, well, the Lord is always faithful, and we right. definitely know that the the Lord provides. And through that season, it was definitely um, a trial for me and for us in terms of really relying on the Lord and being open and honest um, with each other, and also with uh, fellow family members and friends and and our church family who was really supportive during that those difficult times because he was off work for maybe a year and a half straight. Wow. Um, and so it definitely. Um, put a strain on us and it caused us to drain our savings accounts and also spend and swipe in, in ways that we probably shouldn't have in order to mm-hmm. quote unquote survive. But yeah, it, it was tough in regards to, you know, me being sick. So I was out for like a year and a half, no working, no school, no church, no fellowship. And it really got me to thinking like, you know, the Bible says that the Bible, that work is from the Lord and that it's work that gives us dignity. And I lost that not being able to work. And I was really like in a spot where I'm like, okay, I may never be able to provide 
for my family again. So that was scary. And I really had to, uh, you know, be reliant on the Lord to provide for us at the time. And the Lord was right. faithful uh, And our church brothers and sisters, uh, came through with, with, with the oxtail, with the curry goat, uh, with money, not just food, <laughs> but with money. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, so, it, you know, our family at Jarvis street Baptist church, uh, was, was awesome. Wow, that's amazing. That's I mean, this is if there's anything else that we can take away from this is the the strength of having a community, the strength in having a church family to support us. Um, you guys talked about transparency. It's being transparent with each other, but I think that transparency also goes to those who are uh, fellow believers around you, who you can confide in. Uh, sometimes, as Christians, we get to um, people ask us, "Hey, how are you doing?" And it's so easy to say, "Yeah, we're fine. We're good." But it's also good to have those people in our corners who we can share some of our challenges with, because I, I think being in a good church family, um, just from what you're saying, it was it definitely helped you guys during that period. Wouldn't you say that? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely easy to give the, the Christian response and, oh, I'm fine. And, you know, the Lord provides and all those other types of things and instead of actually telling people. Um, like if they're asking you, do you need help? And actually being honest enough to say, yes, I need help. And, and, in, and in the right environment, it's not a condemnation. I think we all go through different challenges, uh, whether financial or otherwise. But having a strong church family and on, not just that, we ourselves have to be willing to be vulnerable uh, to those around us who care about us, especially within the household of faith to support us. And um, I'm glad to hear your story, um, how you guys have come from one side of the um from opposite ends of the spectrum has been through this this ordeal where i mean illness has has taken its took its toll on your finances but by god's grace you were able to work together i cannot imagine uh, having to now handle those challenges being separate and handling your finances separate and this has definitely brought you together i'm so glad to uh, to hear your story uh, for those who are listening um, there is light at the end of the tunnel if both of you are willing to work hard to get on the same page uh before we wrap up uh darnell and tyra what advice would you give couples and some life lessons on, on those who are struggling well the best advice i can give from when we first got married till now is that you know i'm not a financial advisor and neither is tyra uh, but you are sean and and i thank god for you and and what you've been able to do uh, for Tyra and I, and I'm not just saying that, uh, because, you know, Sean's my man, Thank but you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no real talk though. Um, but what I'm saying is that as a couple, you need a mediator, a financial mediator between you two, because just like Tyra and I gave you guys an example of how we have different mindsets financially. And you know, what? we might not as a couple, we might not be strong, uh, strong financially. So it's wise and it's godly to bring somebody in who can help you steward your finances well and make wise decisions. I know it's very popular today to have, you know, to keep people in your circle that, you know, encourage you and say yes and, and give you a pat on the back. But I think it's more important to have people in your circle that tell you no and let you know what's what's not possible. And Sean, you've been that for Tyra and I. We've gone to you uh, with wide eyes. And then, you know, and you graciously pointed out to us what is not possible. And, and, and I thank you for being able to be honest with us and let us know, um, especially as, as a Christian man, um, being able to understand our agenda as Christians. Like for me and Tyra, we have our own plan, spiritual plans, and you understand that. Being able to want to live close to church, being able to want to give, being able to want to serve more, uh, you will understand that and help us understand it. So I would recommend, you know, people to find a financial advisor who can mediate their conversation and also find people, other financial savvy people who can help um, point you in other directions who, whose specialty might be in housing or stocks or whatever the case may be. And you, and you rotate between the three or four people you may have. Uh, Cause you know, you, you just don't want to bank on that one person on that one right. person's advice, but you want to be able to have, uh, you know, the scriptures say, you know, there's, there's wisdom in, in the multitude of counsel. So, Correct. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, we didn't plan this, but, um, 
Thank you for, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for saying that. Um, Tyre, did you want to add anything um, in terms of what advice would you give couples to help them get through? Uh, in terms of the advice that I would give, I would kind of harken back to um, one of the spots that was difficult for me, and that was transparency. And so I find that with couples, if if you are transparent, open, and honest in the beginning, it will make the rest of your life and the rest of your marriage and the rest of yeah. these financial discussions a lot easier. And oftentimes we're we're holding on to things, especially when it comes to money, because well, you generally we're holding on to our independence. So you want to get married, you want to have the nice dress, you want to go through the wedding, you want to do all these things, and you want to be a life partner with somebody, but you're forgetting that it it really does encompass all of your life and every aspect of your life, including your bank account. And oftentimes we have conversations with people, like we we're open and honest. We're open and honest with our sin, but we're not open and honest with our finances. We're not open mm, and honest with the way preach. that we spend our money. We're not open and honest with with the weaknesses that we have with our debit cards or the weaknesses that we have with our credit cards, whether it's um food, whether it's clothes, whether it's I don't I don't I don't know whatever whatever proclivity somebody may have, but um the more transparent you are and the more accountable you are to your partner for the way you spend that money, it the easier it will be. Um, in the long run. And so oftentimes I find that there's an element of selfishness that comes about when, especially when speaking about money. Um, and you, we feel, or I felt, especially in the beginning, that I was losing independence when it came to to dealing with 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 Darnell in terms of uh, finances and money. And so um, my advice to people would be to be open and honest and really evaluate your biases and what's really holding you back or why why do you feel so I guess, tight-handed about being able to speak about these things. That is really profound. I mean, those are some of the things we talk about all the time is an openness. It's a oneness. Um, it's not your money. It's not uh, my money. It's our money. And I'm so glad mm -hmm. to hear your story. And, hopefully and really the Lord's money. Exactly. Really the Lord's money to begin with. So I'm so glad to hear your story. I hope others are encouraged by this. Donnell and Tyra, thank you for joining us today. Um, you have yourself a wonderful day. Uh, thank you again. You too. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. And that wraps it up for this episode of the Dollar Savvy Show. Thank you very much for staying with us and for tuning in. Um, if you are a couple and would love to be a part of this show, please send us an email at podcast at sacapital.ca. If you've enjoyed this show, please rate us on iTunes or any podcasting app of your choice. You can find more episodes of this podcast at sacapital.ca slash podcast. You can find us on Twitter at SA Capital Canada, on Facebook at SA Capital Advisors. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time. Take care and God bless. Thank you so much for listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. You can find us at sacapital.ca slash podcast. And you can reach us at 1-888-365-8883, extension 377. Or send us an email at podcast at sacapital.ca. You've been listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. I'm your host, Show IDME. Thank you. Madden and Mitchell Media.